This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 127 and I've got a special guest on the line to, uh, it's a bit of a special episode, we've never done anything like this before, we're going to be doing a watch along episode. Uh, but first of all I want to introduce our special guest and I've got George McKay from the Straight Talk Wrestling Podcast. So George, brilliant to be speaking to you, it's the first time we've ever spoken and the first time you've been on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, so uh, good evening where you are, how are you sir? I am doing fantastic. Going to talk wrestling with another podcaster. It's a good Friday. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we were speaking a bit off air, George, and uh, I know that we're all kind of going through a bit of a strange time in the the world with COVID-19, the coronavirus. So we both said that we were both uh, key workers, both essential workers. So our days and our routine hasn't changed too much. Uh, But of course, we're getting we're having to get used to not having wrestling um, like we used to. I mean, you go to a lot of shows ordinarily, and we'll talk about that very, very soon. We haven't got the the kind of wall-to-wall coverage of wrestling that we would normally have. Um, but uh, one thing we do have to rely on is the WWE Network. And uh, the match that we're going to be re-watching and reliving is WrestleMania 10, and in particular, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Let's have a closer look at uh, WrestleMania 10 and Bret versus Owen then. So... Uh, we we put up three matches, three options uh, in a poll on our Facebook group, the Wrestling John's Facebook community page. And um, when I reached out to you, George, um, I said, look, I've got this idea for a watch along. What's your three favorite, most favorite matches of all time? Straight away, you didn't hesitate. Your first number one match was Bret Hart versus Owen Hart WrestleMania 10. Um, and now uh, we know, we know as we're talking about this, that won the poll. But there were two other options. And uh, for those that voted, uh, that the second option was Shawn Michaels versus Triple H from SummerSlam 02. And then Triple H again versus Cactus Jack in a Hell in a Cell match from No Way, Eight, uh, no Way Out pay-per-view in the year 2000. So those were the three options. And Brett versus Owen won. Um, it, it was all fairly tight at the end. They, they were racing ahead to start off with, um, but it was fairly tight. But Brett versus Owen from WrestleMania 10 did come out on top from the poll. And you said at the very beginning, George, that this was your favourite match of all time. Or at least uh, that's kind of uh, reading between the lines what I, what I gathered from our conversation. How happy were you when Brett versus Owen came out on the, uh, the, the top of the poll and you knew that you were going to be talking about that match on uh, my show today? Well, I was ecstatic. I mean, at first when you said give me three options, I only gave you one. I said, no, Brett versus yeah. Owen. Yeah. And you were like, no, no, I, I, I need three. And I was like, oh, fine that's how a poll works <laughs> yeah i know i know we should have just put all three up and we could have done the commentary different watch it in german watch it in spanish yeah. watch it in uh, you know chinese or something like that right but um yeah no this uh i was when i saw the poll results i shared it and i saw it uh i think it ended what yesterday or this morning yeah uh yesterday yeah yesterday so when i saw that it won i was like perfect that's the one i wanted anyways i love the other two matches they're great stories yeah but this one is um, so ahead of its time in not so much the time period, but the story that these two uh, technical juggernauts 
uh, you know, laid out for us. You can, you can literally put a young fan in front of the, oh, I want to be a wrestler when I grow up. You want to be a wrestler? Cool. Watch this match. Dissect it, study it, learn everything in it. This is a match that can literally teach you everything you need to know about technical wrestling from two of the greatest of all time. And had Owen Hart tragically not passed away in 1999, who knows what we could have seen, the matches that we could have saw. I think about it all the time, man. Every time I turn on my PS4 and I rock out, you know, WWE uh, 2K19 is the most recent one I have because 2020 was garbage. But um, 2K19, every time I turn on, always go to Owen Hart, always flip them up from matches with, you know, Kevin Owens, uh, matches with, uh, you know, a match with Ric Flair, matches with, you know, Shawn Michaels Daniel uh, in later, later years. Daniel Bryan. Oh, that would have been I a mean, tremendous match. That That's a match that literally would have been uh, just like this, just 20, uh, 20 some odd years later. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because but, they all sit in that realm, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, this was not only an excellent match, but, uh, you know, it, it was one of the reasons why I'm really, really glad to be doing this watch along with you um, is because it had an excellent storyline build as well. So both the lead up to this match, which we'll get into in a moment, and, you know, not only the, the, the match itself at WrestleMania 10, but afterwards, the feud lasted for well over a year. I think it started around Survivor Series 1993. And if you remember, there was uh, the Hart Brothers. You had um, Owen, Brett, Keith and Bruce. And they, they were the, the Hart Brothers. And now originally they were going up against Jerry Lawler and his three knights. Um, but uh, Jerry Lawler uh, got fired or left the WWF around that time. Shawn Michaels took his place. So the Hart brothers were going up against Shawn Michaels and the Knights. Now, uh, the match was going really, really well. The Knights were getting eliminated in the Survivor Series match. It was down to the four Hart brothers and Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart got injured, didn't he, George? And he, he was kind of pacing along the side of the ring apron. And uh, Owen Hart kind of uh, got, got uh, Irish whipped into him or, or, or ran into to him knocking Brett off the ropes then Shawn Michaels capitalized and then eliminated Owen Hart and then uh, I think the the Hart brothers won the match because uh, Shawn Michaels got himself counted out I believe and uh, Owen Hart came back into the ring and uh, berated Brett Hart blaming him for him being the only Hart brother eliminated but what, what were your memories of kind of just uh, Survivor Series 1993, because that was when the feud, that was when the seed to this feud kind of started, wasn't it? It was. And, and, and my memory is, like you just touched on, was right at the end when Owen Hart came back out. And I remember the three uh, remaining Hart brothers hugging in the ring and then Keith Bruce and, and Brett and then Owen, you know, storming back, uh, storming right past Shawn Michaels, actually kind of like looking through him. Uh, to yeah. the end game at the ring and they were all hugging and no one came up and he pulled, you know, he, he moved Bruce and Keith out of the way and he just pushed Brett, pushed him right away. And just got up in his face. Yeah. And, You're always, I've always been in your shadow. You're always just berating him and yelling at him and the passion in his face and the spit flying out of his mouth. It, I honestly think, I mean, as much as it was a great storyline, I think there was a lot of hidden truths there. I think yeah. there was a chance to get out a lot of frustration because Owen Hart had been left in Bret Hart's shadow, even after Bret Hart left, uh, you know, a couple of years later after the sure. Montreal screw job, after he left and went to WCW and literally was not utilized properly because Eric Bischoff is a tard. Um, Owen was still in the shadow, had to do all these other gimmicks uh, to kind of find something to from the nugget, joining the nation, 
to um, uh, when he was, you know, the American, uh, the Blue Blazer and led to his untimely death in uh, Over the Edge, right? Yeah. So, I mean, always trying to carve out who he was. But if you look at it, if you look at this match, this the reason why this is my favorite match of all time is because Owen Hart spoke his truth in yeah. this match. Leading up to it, the promos that were cut, even the after, from the Steel Cage match at SummerSlam later on in the year, to, you know, uh, even through Rumble, leading all the way up to WrestleMania, Owen Hart spoke his truth to the fans. And the promos he cut were the most edgy and heartfelt and passionate promos I had ever seen him cut uh, before then or after then. And um, I honestly and truly believe a lot of this, as much as, you know, it's his brother and he loves him behind the scenes and stuff like that. Kayfabe was very real back then. So there was times where Owen could not be with the family at Thanksgiving or at uh, Christmas because Kayfabe was so real. Couldn't spend New Year's with his parents because Brett was over there. So you don't want to give away, you know, mm. behind the scenes stuff, right? Yeah. And this is just research that I've done over time. And even when I did my Owen Hart profile, uh, that's one of the things we used to do every once a month in the early stages of Straight Talk. We used to do a profile yeah. on our favorite wrestlers. And right off the hop, I was like, I'm taking Owen. And I took it. I ran with it. And we, we did everything on it. And the research that I found was just incredible. But this match stands the test of time because the story that was told before and after enduring. Like I said, this is a match, no matter how old you are, you could watch the buildup to it, watch this match, and it'll leave you breathless. Mm. And if it doesn't leave you breathless, that you are not a true wrestling fan. Because yeah. this is, hands down, I don't know where it ranks. Uh, for me, it ranks number one. But this is definitely top ten all time. Most definitely. Everyone has their different top ten or their different top five. This, for me, ranks a greatest of all time. But, I mean, and in this match, like I said, he spoke his truth. But when you watch this WrestleMania match, uh, he got the better of his brother almost mm, 60% of the match. So if this came down to a draw and this was like a boxing fight, I believe he would have won the match by decision. Yeah. Split yeah. decision, mind you, but by decision. But this was a match where he told his truth and he got the better of his brother. And I think he showed the world that he was the better heart. Yeah, And yeah. I love Bret Hart. I respect Bret Hart. I've met him. He's an amazing human being. But Owen Hart, during this year, showed the world who the better heart was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, after the Survivor Series in 93, you, you, Bret Hart and Owen Hart, they did reconcile as well. They, they hadn't quite fallen out fully. I know that the parents and the, the family were trying to keep them uh, together and, uh, you know, and trying to prevent the inevitable i suppose um, and they did start um, a, a teaming as a tag team in various matches and, and one match in particular the Royal rumble 94 where brett and owen went up against the quebecers um now I, I think it was for the wwf tag team titles at the time the quebecers were the champions and mm -hmm. uh, brett and owen had an opportunity to win the tag team titles but um i understand that that brett had sustained an injury during that match, which led to the match being uh, stopped by a referee uh, decision, I, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly. Owen was hot at Brett. Uh, sorry, Owen was was angry at Brett for uh, for sustaining the injury, which I'm sure he couldn't help. It's a you know a very hard fought match. Uh, what, what were your thoughts of that that wall rumbling encounter between the Quebecers and the Hart brothers? And and that was kind of the moment where Owen officially turned heel, wasn't it? 
It was. That was the moment where all the brothers came out, where his father, or I believe his mother, was in at ringside. Yeah. And she cried real tears. You go back, you watch that match. Uh, she sold it better than anybody else. She cried real tears. And yeah, it was stopped because he sustained the injury. Yes. And um, uh, again, he spoke his truth. And even though they had reconciled, they hadn't really reconciled. Because if you watch the promos leading up to that uh, Royal Rumble match, Owen, every time Brett spoke, Owen's eyes were looking through him. Like, I want to end you. Like, he just he sold it so well to the point where you can look back and you can watch those promos dissect even because they used WWE used to do that cheesy thing where they'd have the uh, 3d graphic background uh, in the back right before they went out, you know, we're yeah. going to do this. We're going to show everybody that the Hart brothers are united and blah, blah, blah. Brett might've been united. Owen clearly showed that he wasn't, he sold it so well. And when the match got stopped and it screwed him out of a chance to get the tag team titles because they were winning that match yeah. until the Quebecers pulled their dirty shit. that They usually did. And uh, were able to steal one away. Um, but uh, most importantly was the fact that, I mean, one thing you got to touch on, at least I got to touch on because I'm a proud Canadian is you had four Canadian boys in the ring at that yeah, time. Yeah. That was huge. That was huge. Right. You had Calgary and Quebec being represented in full force. And, uh, it was just unfortunate that the injury happened or the, you know, the kayfabe injury happened and, uh, it started the whole feud. But if you look back at that particular moment, the one that stands out to me for sure is his mother, uh, their mother crying real tears. Yeah. She she looked like her heart broke, like her family was broken. She sold it so well, John. Like I look back at even now I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm getting kind of giddy because I'm like, damn, Mama Heart, she had it going on. She she knew how to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes <laughs> you wonder how much kind of uh, real emotion. I know that she, uh, you know, obviously married to the legend Stu Hart and all of the sons grew up to be to be wrestlers. So wrestling, professional wrestling was ingrained in the family. And it makes you wonder whether um, I can't remember the mother's name now. Um, do you know that you remember Stu's wife? It's a name uh, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this because people are like, oh, you remember the great match, but you don't remember the build up. I want to say it's either Judy or... Helen 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 Hart I believe that that's correct but she did sell it so well and it did did make you wonder how much of that was was real emotion and how much she was genuinely you know upset because her two sons were 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 kind of you know uh, building a rivalry together so you know there was a lot of possibly real emotion intertwined there but um one of the classic lines that came out during this feud I think after the Royal Rumble match as Bret Hart was being wheeled on a gurney his, his leg obviously in you know in, in an awful lot of pain being wheeled backstage Owen was already uh, kind of backstage he was being being interviewed by Todd Pettingill if I remember correctly and he came out with a classic line that uh, uh, Brett I just kicked your leg uh, out of your leg and that, that, that's been a, a classic line ever since now obviously he stumbled over his words uh, right. but, but but that, that was kind of Owen Hart all over, wasn't it, really? He was showing passion. He was showing emotion. And, uh, you know, I kicked your leg out of your leg, Brett. And, uh, you know, he kind of realized what he said and kind of didn't correct himself. But uh, that that's kind of a bit of a, a, a botch or a, a line that's been synonymous with Owen Hart. But um, kind of, you know, for, for good reasons, I suppose. It, it kind of showed a human, a real side to Owen Hart during that promo. A hundred percent agree with you. Uh, it, it was the passion in him. And I mean, yeah. uh, when people talk passion, people talk their truth, they speak their truth. They stumble over their words. They're a stutter mm. like me. When you can tell 
when I'm enjoying an interview, when I almost cut off who I'm interviewing just so I could get my next question out because I'm just loving it. And that happens pretty much with all of my interviews. Um, I, I just the passion that comes out when you're talking or doing something you love, it's very easy to stumble over your words and, and, um, uh, mispronounce things or, or misinterpret the way things are were supposed to be spoken. Um, so I don't fault him for that. That's actually uh, a memory that I, I, I mean, I recollect it, but it doesn't, uh, it still doesn't overshadow, um, the greatness that we're, we're going to talk shortly about at WrestleMania 10. Indeed. It doesn't overshadow anything about it in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Because the match, I mean, uh, we talk about it all the time on my show when I have my former co-host. Um, he was big on the talking. He was big on the build. That's what we called it. You know, the, you got to talk the talk. You got to build. I was big on walking the walk. And what the great thing about this storyline did is there wasn't a whole lot of talk because at the time there wasn't a weekly episodic show yet. So at the time, there was just the four pay-per-views. Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, SummerSlam. Yeah, you only had the major four at the time, so there wasn't a whole lot of build. There was build leading up to it. They used to do the press conferences. There was build during the event. That's why they cut the promos at the event. Yeah. But there was not a much of a build. The the way WWE did their stuff back in the day was very much like indie wrestling does it now. You only really have a short amount of time. A lot of indie shows aren't on networks, so they, it's hard to build up. A rivalry or build up a storyline in the indies but this was a storyline that stood the test of time because it was built correctly it was built in a time period where vince mcmahon was very involved in his business not like now um and he was passionate about the storylines that he was sure excuse me that he was sharing out that he was letting out to the fans and uh, you could see it's the testament as it stands test of time and I urge any any young fan listening to this interview, any young wrestler that's listening to this interview, if you don't know what we're talking about, turn off this interview right now, go watch the match, then come back yeah. and listen to the rest of the interview. Because yeah. I want to make sure Johnners gets a lot of hits and I want to make sure this is one of his <laughs> strongest episodes so both of our podcasts, our podcasts grow together. Indeed, indeed. I mean, just sticking with that Royal Rumble 94, because uh, as you're fully aware, to add even more fuel to the fire, Brett then went on to win or was co-winner of the Royal Rumble, which enraged Owen Hart even more, made him even more jealous uh, and made Owen even more madder uh, than he was before. So... Brett continued to turn down challenges from Owen to, to fight him, and he, he wouldn't wouldn't fight his brother. He kept refuting all of the challenges until he couldn't take any more, and he accepted a challenge from Owen. And then that leads us to this very match we're going to be talking about at WrestleMania 10, of course. So um, uh, we know that Brett had a, a, a double kind of main event or two matches at WrestleMania 10, and he would go on to kind of uh, finish the show with the gold, having um, beaten Yokozuna uh, and essentially kind of turning the tail from WrestleMania 9 on its head and uh, kind of w w leaving as the champion. But the, the show WrestleMania 10, it opens with this match that we're going to be talking about very, very soon. Um, so before we press play, and I'll kind of talk you through the watch-along process very, very soon. But uh, was you surprised that Brett versus Owen was, was on first and that it kicked off the show? Uh, as a kid, no, because I was just, I was like, sweet. The match I wanted to see is right off the hop. Then I can go eat pizza for two hours, forget about the ones I don't want to see and go back and watch <laughs> the main event. As a kid, I didn't really understand it fully. But as an adult now, I get it. Um, but 
it's sad really because this should this should have not been the first match out this should have not been the match that kicked off the show what they should have done and what would have been a true testament to Bret Hart was have him wrestle Owen second last match then have him go after the world title I think that would have been a true testament more to him and a true testament to his brother but to have him wrestle at the beginning of the night and then again at the end of the night is a chance to recover, go back, drink some water, drink yeah. some Gatorade, what have you. I get why they did it. But let me let me pose a question to you. I know this is your mm. podcast, but let me flip it. This will be the first time Johnners has ever been oh. asked a question on his own <laughs> Shoot. Um, Do you remember the title match? Like, if you didn't go back and watch it, do you remember it? Yeah, you remember that Brett won. But yeah. do you remember how he won? Do you remember how it finished? Uh, I, I do vaguely. What well, you're referring to, Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, the very final match. Yeah, but what uh, I, what my whole point is, is was that it a like a, a, a victory roll or something like that? But it, it was. It was exactly I, I, that. It was a yeah. victory roll. But, but you it's and not I as memorable. It's not as memorable. It's not as memorable. No. But if you talk about WrestleMania 10, you ask anybody about WrestleMania 10, they mention two things. They mention Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels ladder match, yeah. and they re- they mentioned Bret Nolan. Indeed. Nobody else remembers any other match on that card. And that was a that was a great WrestleMania. It was. But there's there's only really two matches that stand the test of time on that card. And it's Brett versus Owen and Sean versus Razor. Indeed. Indeed. So, George, this is our first ever experience of doing a watch along. I don't think you've done one on your podcast. This is the first time I've done one on the Wrestling Majonis podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to urge our listeners um, to, to kind of watch the match with us as we're going through it so we can all uh watch along and uh, do a little bit of commentary over the top of what we're going to be viewing and to, to, to kind of recollect our, our very fond memories of the match and certain highlights that really stand out to us as it's playing so i'm going to urge all of my listeners to um go to the wwe network fire up the network go to the pay-per-view section and there select wrestlemania from 1994 that's wrestlemania 10 And what you want to do is you want to skip to 10 minutes and 11 seconds, 10 minutes and 11 seconds. Now, if you go to WrestleMania 10, it's all in chapters. So I think the first chapter is uh, is uh, uh, Little Richard uh, singing America the Beautiful. Directly after that is chapter two. And if you press chapter two, um, you should see uh, 10 minutes, 11 seconds. And that will be kind of the start of Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. So, um, uh, George, uh, how are you? Are you all set with uh, WrestleMania 10 in front of you? And are you, uh, do you have the, the time mark in front of you? 10 minutes, 11 seconds. I, I did have it actually at 12 minutes, 34 seconds because they were already done their entrances. But ah, 10 minutes, 11 we, seconds, I'm working it back. We it's will watch the entrances. Right Kind of, uh, we'll kind of live through the the excitement of the entrances. Of course, you've got the great Howard Finkel, Finkel there doing all of the uh, the, the ring announcements. So uh, we can't miss that. No, for sure. So, are we allowed to have audio up on this? Or? Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, have it uh, silent, and uh, we'll kind of we'll we'll add the color to it. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right, I'm yeah. at 10 minutes 11 seconds. I'm ready. Wonderful. You so, uh, on the count of, uh, I'm gonna count backwards from three, and then when I get to one, uh, we will press play, and then we will watch uh, the classic match, your favorite match of all time. Uh, from WrestleMania 10, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. So make sure that I've got it all queued up here. Um, so yes, for, for the listeners uh, listening at home, 
the WWE Network, WrestleMania 10, skip to the Bret Hart versus Owen Hart chapter, 10 minutes and 11 seconds. And uh, after the count of three, we'll press play and we'll watch uh, together this, this extraordinary WrestleMania opening match. So three, two, one, play. So there we go. So we, we get a big wide shot there, George, of uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. And it's not Howard Finkel. I it's not. It's actually, not. it's actually the world's worst mullet. <laughs> Indeed. <That's> the... <laughs> oh, but I know Howard Finkel was part of uh, WrestleMania 10. And, of course, he had a, 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 an incredible hairpiece, if I remember rightly, because Cy Sperling, the, uh, the CEO of Hair Club for Men, was there as one of the celebrities. And uh, Howard Finkel was sporting a toupee, but uh, not here. But we've got... Owen out first um, and of course with Madison Square Garden certainly the way they had it um, back in uh, 94 and all the years prior to that they had the short entrance on the side of the arena um, I think if you go to WrestleMania 20 they used uh, the sideways uh, kind of entrance with a big long ramp but here you've got the classic MSG short arena uh, short entrance have you ever been to MSG or is it an arena that you would like to go and see wrestling events in one day oh, George? I mean I mean, that's that's an arena that literally stands the test of time. I mean, so many great moments have happened at that arena in the business of wrestling that I would love to go there in a heartbeat. 100%. Yeah. And you've got uh, Owen here. Now, I know during uh, the early stages of his feud with Brett, he did start to kind of replicate his ring gear uh, to match his brother's. And uh, he came out with the Hitman shades as well, which you can see him kind of ripping up into small pieces, uh, kissing them throwing away he's getting lots of uh, lots of jeers lots of boos uh from the uh, new york fans there and well, it's a split uh, crowd i mean this it, was a time period when it was a very very split crowd and yeah. now we're now we're getting to see you know here comes the hitman out there's the pink lighting right it's all there he's coming out the only thing owen didn't have when he came out was uh you know brett wrestled in the tights with the the uh, unitard on yeah. Owen had the straight unitard and Brett had uh, this was weird because Brett always had just a regular jacket. But this was more like a leather, almost like a leather tuxedo jacket, if you will, because it's mm. all the way down past the knees. And I mean, still Brett the Hitman Hartman. He's coming out. He's looking. They're both looking in, in the best shape uh, of their lives. They're both looking ready to go. And I love it because at the time, I mean, this is when, you know, U.S. and Canada were hand in hand. Right. Nobody was yeah. beefing with anybody. So see the Canadian flags flying. Right? And you hear how loud them. that crowd is. Man. Yeah, that crowd is so loud. Yeah, it's a, a fantastic atmosphere, and uh, you can only imagine being there. WrestleMania 10, its 10th anniversary, and uh, kicking off with um, a, a main event caliber kind of lineup, really. And, and like I say, we've we've explained the build-up, we've explained the feud, how it happened from Survivor Series through to the Royal Rumble, through to this match. So this had an excellent build. So as a fan, thinking back, you know, I, I was highly anticipating this match. I was really, really looking forward to this one. Almost a little bit disappointed, kind of harping back to our conversation earlier, that it was going on first because this was the match that everybody was looking forward to. It kind of makes sense when you play, you know, the whole pay-per-view from beginning to end, especially with how it concludes. You got Earl Hebner there, um, kind of setting the ground rules for the match. Look at and Owen. You see Owen? He's pacing. just pacing. All he wants, yeah. all he wants Hebner to do is stop talking and ring the damn bell. Yeah. Just ring the bell. And that's what everyone in the arena is doing the same thing. Yeah. Ring, there we go. Now the, the bell's been rung. The atmosphere is electric in the, in the MSG. And, uh, yeah. Um, it, it, you kind of compare it to 
arenas nowadays and you just don't seem to have the same fan interaction as you did back in the 90s and here in 1994 and you kind of compare it to the attitude era when you had all the signs and you know the, the raucous crowds but uh, nowadays you know the, the wrestling fans seem to be a bit more tame the the, the events when when they you know did have fans in them up until recently and uh, everything's on lockdown were, were a lot more tame and not as much uh, fan interaction back in the 90s and maybe it's because this was a year when I was really getting into wrestling as a fan and I remember it so fondly but the fans just seemed uh, a lot more engaged a lot a lot louder a lot more into the action what would you say to that George? I would completely agree with you. This was WrestleMania 10. This was done in Madison Square Garden. This was done in an arena that houses 25, 30,000 people. He, uh, WWE hasn't done arena shows since, I want to say, WrestleMania 23. They stepped away from, you know, sports arenas and gone to the big, big, big stadiums, the football yeah. stadiums. Yeah. And you lose so much. You think about uh, how, many, how much revenue it drives up for the city. Absolutely, they make their money. 100% for sure. But what they lose out is how much how much a fan really has to pay. The average when I went to SummerSlam for my wife, my daughter and myself, we sat in the in the row beside the ramp. We picked uh, row 14. We were going to be right at the edge of the ramp. My daughter would have been able to shake hands when we got there. They moved us up to row number three, but they stuck us on the end. I sat in front of the ring post. My wife and my daughter could barely see. We couldn't get through to touch any of the wrestlers. We did get some decent pictures, but if you think about it, 1500 bucks, and all I got to show for it is three chairs sitting in my basement. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it, you think about the money that you pay, and the worst part about it was I was sitting on the end, and they had the stupid crane camera coming back and forth. Literally killed the whole mojo of the night. And also, plus being in front of that ring post, I could barely see the finishes because everything finished center of the ring. Yeah. So you lose so much interaction, whereas these close environments, the way they did it back in the old school, it was so clean, so cut, and the fans could really watch and enjoy. And now you can't. Now it's just seeing how many butts you could fill in an arena, charge ridiculous prices. On top of that, the meet and greets, all the pop-up interviews, everything that happens that weekend or that week that thing, these major events are going on, it's great for the city. But it's just not the same as it used to be. I mean, I've been a fan my whole life and I love the business, but WWE has changed and unfortunately not changed for the better. And that's yeah. I'll put my stamp on that. Yeah. So we, we're a few minutes into this match here and there's a lot of uh, exchanges of holds, uh, lots of reversal of holds, working over the arm there. Brett uh, is well, working this, over this, Owen's arm. Lots don't of you think this reminds you of? Well, this reminds you of everything that's going on in the dungeon, everything that went down on in the heart's basement. Yeah. This is probably a day of training for these two guys. They know each other so well. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is that they can dissect each hold. Like right now, he's got him in a classic traditional arm bar. He's putting pressure on the shoulder, putting pressure in the armpit, and squeaking back on the elbow. But Owen, yeah, he's in pain, but he's trying – see right there, he's trying to shift out of it, trying to move his foot towards the rope. Because why? These two guys have fantastic ring awareness. Anywhere in the ring – they can find the rope to break the hold. But as he turns around, now we go into an attritional, you know, wrist lock. You got it behind the back. It's clean. It's simple. Boom. Right there. Way to get out. Elbow to the face. And classic Irish whip shoulder drop. And, the, 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 like, look how fast these two were moving. Look at that. Yeah. Did you Look at that sequence. And, look, yeah, so everyone smooth, in the arena it? is going apeshit. And that was just a classic, simple sequence. Owen goes over the top. Everybody gets a breather. And boom. That was a minute and a half of nothing but speed and just amazing wrestling ability. Yeah. So 
Owens out of the ring there, but Brett chases after him, throws him back into the ring under the bottom rope. So for the first few minutes was quite scientific and quite technical, but I, I got a feeling that um, if I remember rightly, the, the 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 tone of the match is going to change fairly fairly soon. <laughs> oh yeah, right now so it's a just, bit hey, of a shoving I, contest now. Oh, there we go, slap to the face. He goes for the classic roll, and no, you're not going to beat him like that. And then see, right, see, this is this is what Brett does, right? He's he knows he can't beat Owen's speed. He can't. Out of the two, Owen is faster, 150. percent So yeah. what's Brett doing? He's breaking the body down. He's going after that same arm because that's that's the primary arm. When you're doing the sharpshooter, because both of their finisher was the sharpshooter. Owens predominantly left-handed. Brett is right-handed. So Brett's trying to break down the left hand to stop the sharpshooter at the end. And then, like, I mean, look at that. What was that? Almost like a Hurricane Rana, but into a sunset flip, I yeah, guess you'd say? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a crucifix pinning attempt, wasn't it? So Yeah, yeah something along the lines. That, but right back on the left elbow. Right back on the left arm. Breaking him down. That's what the hearts were known for, man. They would dissect bodies. And when you have a heart going against the heart, what are you going to do? Whoever can get the drop on the other one, they have to dissect and break down the body. But again, as much as Brett has the power, I'll give Brett in this match. Brett has the power for sure. Brett strong and Owen. Owen's got the agility and the speed. Look at that. What yeah. a <laughs> right under the chin. And that was one of uh, Owen's trademark moves was, was the kind of uh, leg lariat and, yeah. uh, he, he's got the upper hand now. Brett's on the canvas. He's stomping away on Brett underneath the bottom rope there and uh that's it uh, owen is a happy man at the moment he's got the upper hands and every time he points at himself i just see him like three years later saying i'm not a nugget just because yeah. he just said that he's so much intensity and here we go now he's going to use the outside for a bit why because he's got the count of 10 boom back into the ring post cc now he's working on brett's lower back because he knows that when he tries to go for that sharpshooter attempt he can if that lower back's already in pain, yeah. he can utilize that to his advantage. And that's what the great thing about wrestling was back then. This is a simple story. It's not flashy. It has its moments of speed. It has its moments of slowing things down. Each wrestler gets a moment to breathe. But it's just the simple fact of literally brother going after brother, knowing each other so well, training each other, wrestling at Stampede Wrestling. They can break each other down 50,000 ways. And who, honestly, honestly, John, who knows you better than your family? Indeed. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody knows you better than your family, except your wife or your husband, yeah. male or female, depending, and, right? I mean, you, your wife's going to know you a lot more intimately than your sister would know you, for sure. Yeah. But but you, you mentioned about uh, Owen going after Brett's back and slamming him into the turnbuckle on the outside. Now he's got him in uh, like a cobra clutch, really applying pressure, really cranking back, and uh, using the hair for the count of four. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, no, you were spot on that he's going after Bret Hart's back there, and um, but but still with any you know, not lightning quick, uh, a steady pace, and they're telling the story. And uh, Owen Hart yeah, catching Bret Hart off the ropes, beautiful belly to belly, getting a two count there. So uh, yeah, already already they're they're going for the win. There's been a couple of two counts already, but uh, this this what we're maybe five six seven minutes in. And uh, they've not put a foot wrong. It's been a beautiful dance between the two. Look at that. Did you see that? Caught himself on the second rope. Reverse yeah. cross body into a pin. And then right back on the attack. That's what I'm yeah. saying about the agility. See, the agility of Owen Hart is unmatched in this match. The agility of Owen Hart, especially going into his brother. This is a match where, to me, this is where I became a fan of Owen Hart. 
the yeah. build-up to this match, during this match, everything about the way Owen Hart performed. And who who better to be your dance partner with than your brother? Mm-hmm. Arguably, hands down, this is why I, I urged fans earlier to stop, watch the match, then come back and watch with us. Yeah. Because absolutely. they can see everything we're talking about. And like, look at that. He was going for he was going probably for a scoop slam or a sidewalk slam. Brett using the knees on the side. His weight. Yeah. Shifted his weight, breaking down. And now, see, that's how good they are. Owen's in the ring. He's pandering the crowd. Brett's outside, catches his breath. That's when you know you got a good dance partner in the ring. Gives you a chance to catch your breath while the other one puts you in. Now we're going to try to go in for like a suplex power slam and the reversal. And see, look at that. Boom. This sp- oh. again, the speed of Owen Hart is completely unmatched. Yeah. Well, it's I think just incredible. What, what a lot of people may not know is that uh, before he joined the WWF back in, I think he joined about 87 as the Blue Blazer. He spent quite a few years in New Japan in their uh, junior heavyweight division and uh, wrestled all the greats there from Jushin Liger. And uh, I think he even took part in quite a few um I don't know if they had a best of the Super Junior tournaments back then, but um, I know that Owen Hart was uh, a, a celebrated junior heavyweight champion over in New Japan. And, um, you know, you mentioned about his pace and his agility. And uh, he, he's got so many different style variations as well. I mean, you know, using a, a European uppercut there and the technical style, the high flying, the pace. He could do it all, really, couldn't he? Owen Hart was, you know, the wrestler's wrestler, you could say. He 100% was, and he could shift his style to whoever he had in the ring. And we just saw that there. We just saw the reverted, almost like a, looked like a reverted, I don't know, um, a coffee grinder, if you will, like a like a dance maneuver, flipped over the shoulder into the tombstone, going for the flying headbutt, and he missed it. But because he sold it so well, gave Brett a chance to recover. Had he gone right from the flying headbutt and not pandered to the crowd, and that's what I love about Owen Hart. His ego always got the best of him. If he had a chance to pander to the crowd, especially when he turned heel, he 100% would. He was one of the guys that could literally get a reaction out of anybody. Any single person in the ring, from a a newborn baby to an 80-year-old woman, he could gain a reaction. Yeah, yeah. And And, uh, um, there we go. Boom. Atomic drop. Going in for the clothesline. What a clothesline. Did you see that? (laughs) That was solid. (laughs) And knocked him out of his boots, practically. But, oh uh, man, almost took Brett his head clean there. off. And now <laughs> we see Brett starting to get a little dirty with pulling the hair, right? So it's yeah. almost like, all right, you want to you want to play dirty, I'll play dirty. Boom. So I'm, again, uh, I, I don't know what they call that exactly. Uh, that side Russian leg sweep, I think. Uh, Ru- yeah, but it. almost a reversed Russian leg sweep, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Because it lands on the back of the head instead of the face. So then you go, and now we're going into a sidewalk slam, uh, backdrop actually. Could have been a sidewalk slam. So the pace of the match is noticeably quickening. It's definitely getting a quicker pace now. Bret Hart's um, kind of back on top, definitely uh, laying in some offense there to Owen. And uh, that, but did you that, see that there? Did you yeah. see that there? That half-ass pin attempt. You know who you're in the ring with, bitch. Show mm-hmm. your brother a little bit of respect. Don't just do the half-ass pin attempt. Hook the leg. Put pressure on the shoulders like you're supposed to. Catches the leg drop, boom. Kick to the side temple. I tell you, man. Owen Hart. And now, look, we're going to set up for the sharpshooter. See all that pressure on the lower back? Oh, but who knows how to reverse it better than the hitman. And there you go. This is my favorite part of the match. This is one of the spots I love. Sharp, like, see, nobody can put the other one in a sharpshooter because they know how to get out of it 50 different ways. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of part of the story of the match is, you know, each of them wanting to apply the sharpshooter on the other. 
Um, but uh, wow, Owen Hart and uh, nearly getting a pin from. I, I'm not sure how you would describe that to be honest with you, but uh, almost like a. Um, I want to say like a, a, a mid ring low grade Hurricane Rana into a into just a roll up into yeah. a classic roll up. But see now now again Brett. You got the knee injury into play. So you're selling the knee, the left knee. Mm-hmm. And with the left knee out now and with the lower back problems, there's no way in hell he can apply the sharpshooter with full pressure. Yeah. No way not, at all. You know, selling the knee injury, that obviously plays into the, the build to this match as well because, you know, there was obviously Bret Hart selling a knee injury of the Survivor Series. And then again, uh, the match happened to be stopped uh, against the Quebecers at the Royal Rumble uh, the pay-per-view prior to this one. So, you know, it's good storyline continuity. And that was something that Bret Hart was always excellent at doing, was was telling a story um, and, and, you know, harking back to things that have happened in prior matches, which I think is a bit of a lost art nowadays. Right. And then again, classic, what does a classic heel do? Season injury, season Indeed. opening, goes after it. So now Owen remembering the knee injury, now he's attacking it. We got him doing everything from snapping it back. Now he's going to whack it against the side ring post. But see, this is the difference between wrestlers nowadays and these classic guys. They're selling it, I feel, so much better. Even though this match is almost 30 years old, yeah. I, can, I still get the feels. I still cringe when he whacks his knee against that side post twice. I still quit. And, and then look at that. Look at how he's selling it. He's breathing heavy. He's stumbling. He's walking. And Owen's going right back in the attack. Right back in the attack. And look, yeah, he's, oh, he's like a, that, a, was, a shark. that was a great. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, 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 this is, you know, the artistry of, of these two ultimate pros, essentially. And I think, you know, one thing that niggles at me regarding Owen Hart is I think he was massively underrated. When, oh, so underrated, man. Uh, you know, had they have realized what they had in Owen Hart, maybe, you know, what you think his ceiling could have been. I mean, we know that they go on to have a classic cage match at uh, SummerSlam, so the pay-per-view after this one. And, and that many people would consider to be a, a better match than this one, uh, believe it or not. But um, that was for the WWF Championship because at uh, that point, uh, and of course following WrestleMania, WWE, Bret Hart would hold the, the gold. So that I would have had Owen them. win it. I would have had Owen win it. Yeah, and I would have had Owen. That was go a lost opportunity, it. though, George. Do you think that was a lost opportunity that they didn't 100%. kind of pull the trigger on Owen at SummerSlam? I think they should have let him win it, and then I would have let him go on a year and a half title run. I would have let him get a long title run in him, beat his brother, then come back and end up losing to his brother. Yeah, that's yeah. the way I would have told that story. They could have built this for a year. Brett loses the title at SummerSlam. He has to work his way all the way up the ranks. Keeps getting shot down because Owen would interfere at every match when he had a chance to become number one contender. Eventually has to win it at Royal Rumble. Wins the Royal Rumble. Then at WrestleMania 11, we have, or not, sorry, at this point I would say WrestleMania 12 now. WrestleMania 12, we have Brett versus Owen for the title. And that I would have done a 60-minute Ironman match. Even though the one with Shawn Michaels following year at WrestleMania 12 was spectacular, I would have done WrestleMania 11. Yeah. I would have done that as the main event instead of Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I would have done Shawn Michaels the next year. Yeah. But I would have had Owen Hart go Bret Hart last man standing or 60 minute Iron Man match. Hands down, year and a half title run after winning it at SummerSlam. That's yeah. what I would have done. Yeah, I mean something we'll probably talk about after this match, uh, George. But um, after Bret Hart. 
and Owen Hart's feud. Unfortunately, Owen Hart kind of you know fizzled back down to the mid card position really, and uh, wasn't as uh, as prevalent on the WWE's WWF scene uh, compared to what he was here when he was feuding with his brother for that year long feud. But um, I mean, going back to the match. I mean, uh, Owen just had a, a figure four leg lock on 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 Brett, uh, which uh, Brett reversed. So so they're both kind of selling injuries now, and the the match is easily a good ten to twelve minutes long. And, but see, uh, you know, they've told stages. There's been layers to this match. Sorry to interrupt and cut you off. The no, first you match on. was technical. The first match was the first part of the match was very technical. Holds, breaking holds, breaking down your opponent. The second part was speed and agility. Who yeah. was faster? Now we're just getting into straight brawling. Headbutts. Right. It's more punches. of a fight now. More of a it's, fight. Now it's just a fight. It's not about wrestling anymore. It's not about getting the upper hand. It's about a fight. And now you can see Owen's trying to sell the gas, which sets up the finish perfectly. And this is where, you know, the black heart really comes to play because he gets the better of his brother near the end. See, but again, the no respect pins from Bret Hart. That's, that's what I think pushes Owen to the finish that eventually happens where Owen kind of gets the cheap kind of quick, you know, cheating pin. And this is what we have. And Brett still trying to, let's see again. Oh, that was nice. That was a nice pile driver. Yeah, that's a move you don't see lie. too often nowadays. Uh, that was an old fashioned pile driver. Well executed as well. So clean. So clean. But again, a half ass pin and it, and it, it, it's showing no respect to your opponent. No yeah. respect to your opponent. You got to, when you're, when you're facing somebody of the caliber of Owen Hart or Bret Hart, you got to show respect. Like, I'm hoping we see a pin a pin attempt here by Owen. Because if we do, I guarantee you, every pin attempt from Owen has been a hook or a roll-up to try to put pressure on the legs. And now, uncharacteristically, you've got Bret Hart going to the top. Never goes top rope. Never. And boom. Oh. What? Oh, man. That, that was a, a top rope superplex. I think uh, many people used to call it a suicide plex, but... Uh, uh, just an amazing move, and Brett getting a very, very close near fall there on Owen. And uh, I give him a two and a half there. I think Earl Hefner sold the stretch out a little bit, but it was a two and a half count for sure. He almost had it there, but now yeah. Owen, you know, they're they're both gassed at this point now. I think we've been going for what close to twelve minutes. Sure. No, no, we're at thirty-two minutes here. So this we're almost near the end because this started at ten eleven. They've been going for twenty-two minutes right now. 22 minutes, including entrances. So I want to say 20 minutes they've been going at this point. Yeah, yeah. But the story that's been told, like I said, 20 minutes, you want to put seven-minute markers on every stage of this match. Now they're both gassed. Owen's going for the win. Now we got a sleeper hold. And look at the ring awareness. By, oh, see? Whoa. But there you go. That's the black the low, right there. The There's a cheap shot. shot. Yeah. I don't, appre- I, I, don't, I don't like it, but I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> I completely respect it. But you look at look at the faces of the fans and they're so enjoying this. They're so into the action. There's the sharpshooter from Owen using Brett's own move against him. And of course, when uh, Owen started his rivalry with Brett, uh, he adopted, he kind of stole Brett's sharpshooter move um, uh, along with his similar looking attire and the glasses. So Owen really wanted to be the the better. Was that a tap? It, it looked that... like it, didn't it? That's why I pulled it. did. It did, but I'm like, that's not where it ends. See, no. Brett knows how to get out of the sharpshooter. And look at that. Out. From and the floor, now he's going to put in. Owen in. But he's uh, near the ropes. Too close so, to the ropes. Too close to the ropes for that. And even watching it without uh, without any audio, without any volume, without the commentary, 
you you can you can feel the excitement you can you know we're really getting into the match just talking about it and uh yeah it's it brings back so many fond memories of watching this the first time around and i've seen it tens of times since but here we go owen hart uh, bret hart up on owen's shoulders go for the victory roll but owen traps brett for the one two three and there we go. And th- that was ah. a su- that was a surprising ending. That was a surprising. I don't think many people really had Owen Hart pegged uh, as a possible winner in this match, and Bret Hart looking very disappointed. So it's a bit. Of I a can remember yelling at all my cousins. It was a shocking when, outcome. Yeah, I remember yelling at all my cousins when this happened because they were all cheering for Bret. But as the match went on, I levitated towards Owen. And when this happened at the end, I remember literally whipping my oldest cousin in the face with a pillow and saying, I told you, I told you. <laughs> and then look, but look, at, look at Bret Hart. He's kind of almost, he sells it so well. He's disappointed that he lost the match. But I think more so, he just wants it to be over, wants this whole thing to be over with his brother. But yeah. as we all know, it's not going to be. But uh, Owen selling the exhaustion, selling the, you know, selling the effects of the match. A little spit um, bubble at the side of his mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's a replay of, of the finish. And uh, this is very similar, I think, if I remember rightly. We, we recently did a, a review of SummerSlam 92. And I, I, I seem to remember that um, this was a similar ending to that match when Davey Boy Smith won the Intercontinental title by uh, trapping uh, Brett from a similar victory role, if I remember rightly. But um, And I think that, that's why Owen did it. Yeah. Because that was SummerSlam 92. This was WrestleMania 94, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of why it's a little bit of sting, right? Because, you know, that's the time when you lost to your brother-in-law. So now you just relive it and sting. But, uh, man, I tell you, what a match. And the fact that Brett's still out there. Oh, but here's the great Owen promo. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know, as a heel, he cuts so many passionate, heartfelt promos. Um, but uh, I did it, Brett. I did it. I beat you. And... Uh, on top of the world there. But uh, I think Owen's world came crashing down after the main event when uh, Brett was there celebrating with all the wrestlers as the new WWF champion. And uh, that kind of just made him even more angry um, and even more vengeful. And of course, I mean, following WrestleMania, the next pay-per-view, of course, we mentioned SummerSlam, but of course the next pay-per-view was King of the Ring. And uh, Bret Hart won the first ever King of the Ring the year prior, 1993. But this year, 1994, following WrestleMania, Owen Hart was the King of the Ring. He won the the tournament um, to crown the new King of the Ring. That made him kind of the the automatic number one contender for Bret's championship to then go on and face Bret in that steel cage match at SummerSlam. Um, obviously, other family members got involved during that time. I think Jim Neidhart uh, uh, came back into the fold, having previously worked for the WWF back in 92. Here in 94, I think he came out uh, to, to be the corner man for Bret Hart. Um, uh, I think it was during this time. But he ended up siding with Owen Hart and aligning with Owen Hart, who had the the heel combo of Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart, kind of always taking it to Bret Hart through the summer of 1994, through to their uh, steel cage match. But what were your memories kind of post 
WrestleMania um, of, of kind of the Owen and Brett feud. And of course, you know, you had the King of the Ring tournament, Owen became king, and then you had their SummerSlam match. We've already spoken about what an epic. That, that was a, a five-star Dave Meltzer kind of five-star match, one of the very few five-star matches he gave the WWF back in those days. Uh, but any memories post-WrestleMania of their feud and how it continued? Well, I mean, I, I honestly thought, I mean, this was when I was, like I said, I was at this point, I was 10 going on 11. I was so into wrestling at this point. You couldn't talk to me about anything else but basketball or wrestling. And even to this day, you can't talk to me about anything else but basketball or wrestling. Um, the King of the Ring was, uh, the way I saw the build happening was just, okay, Owen beats Brad at WrestleMania. Now Owen wins the King of the Ring. Yeah. Logical choice for me, like I said, was Owen winning at SummerSlam. Never letting it happen. Still, to this day, I mean, I appreciate the steel cage match at SummerSlam. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a steel cage match. What's not to love about a steel cage match? Especially when it's brother versus brother. Yeah. This is this is upping the ante from WrestleMania 10. Okay, I'll lay that out right now to you. But the thing that breaks it down for me, and the reason why I like WrestleMania 10 a little bit more, is probably because the stages of the match that we spoke about, yeah. but also for the fact that Owen got the win. And I think that's why WrestleMania 10 resonates with me a little bit more. Again, I love Bret Hart to no avail. He's a part of my childhood. If uh, I was playing wrestling with the kids in the playground, you're always fighting over at the time, 94, 95, you're fighting over Undertaker, uh, Bret the Hitman Hart, and Shawn Michaels. You're fighting over those three guys. Who's going to play who? And uh, luckily enough, I always got Bret Hart. But, um, you know, I just thought this whole year-long plus feud – you do this whole build, you set it up the right way. Owen should have won at SummerSlam. And anybody that disagrees with me, no problem. That's your opinion. But come and defend it to me because I'll break it down to you like this. You have the guy beat him at WrestleMania, hands down. Okay. It, it And it was a clean victory. Other than the cheap shot, the low blow, Owen did everything by the book in that yeah. match. Everything by the book in that match. You have him go on to be the king of the ring. You set him up to give him a title shot against his brother at SummerSlam. You put the two of them in a cage. Why not finish the storyline? You keep having Owen go up in this upward spiral. So why not continue the trend? Even if you have Owen win by kind of shadiness, like having the referee get knocked down, then maybe Jim Neinhardt comes out and um, he knocks out Brett and pulls Owen out of the cage. Right? Yeah. Something like that. Have that work, but they don't. Again, typical WWE fashion, building the storyline greatly and then screwing up the end. Yeah. Almost yeah. like what they did with the Fiend and Super Showdown. I pose this question to you. Let's go modern here for a second. Do you think Goldberg deserved to beat the Fiend at Super Showdown? Uh, no. Uh, 100% no. I, I, I do not believe he should have beaten the Fiend at Super Showdown. Do you think that it ruined the mystique of the Fiend? It, it did hurt the mystique of the Fiend. It did uh, it didn't help that the character development that they were trying to portray with the Fiend. I think it did more harm than good, definitely. 100%. It ruined the character. You build this character up to literally be untouchable. You have him go through all the motions of everything he's going through. You have it so it's quite simply should have been the Fiend versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But then you pull out, you give the title to Goldberg. Roman Reigns pulls out because of his immunity deficiency with the leukemia and he wants to stay home with his family. And I get that. And I respect it. I'm not a big Roman Reigns fan, but I respect the man for what he did. You slide the obvious replacement of Braun Strowman in the match. 
Could you have imagined Braun Strowman in a Firefly Funhouse match? That would have been fucking fantastic. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. John Cena versus The Fiend was was that and the Boneyard match were probably my two favorite matches of this year's WrestleMania. But the fact is, is once you build something up in an upward spiral to literally have it culminate and not the decision that the fans are expecting. Even every fan at SummerSlam at that SummerSlam was going for Brett. You could hear it in the crowd. You could hear it in the audience. They were going for Brett. That crowd was not a split crowd. That crowd was a Bret Hart crowd. Yeah. So why in the hell would you not build on that? And don't tell me back in the day, Vince McMahon never did that because there were times where the bad guy won, mm. i.e. Razor Ramon beating Shawn Michaels. Yeah. WrestleMania 10, that was a Shawn Michaels crowd. But who won? Razor. Yeah. So that, that's my whole point. WWE does these things right sometimes and does them horribly wrong. SummerSlam 94, I'll put my stamp on it. You can quote me on this. This is going to go out live when you release this episode. They got it wrong. Yeah. 150% over, they got it wrong. <clears throat> Another reason why I believe that they got it wrong is because although their feud, Brett and Owen, it continued beyond SummerSlam into Survivor Series and then Royal Rumble uh, 95, Owen's singles career never really reached the same heights as it did uh, WrestleMania 10, Madison Square Garden, as we've just kind of commentated through. And it was, a, you know, he had tag team success with Davy Boy Smith and with Yokozuna, and that was all great. And he had other WrestleMania moments, mostly in tag team matches. But, you know, even as a, as a transitional champion, maybe up until the next pay-per-view or maybe up until, you know, Royal Rumble will possibly save it until WrestleMania 11. They had an opportunity to capitalize on the character that was Owen Hart. And, you know, what a, this was the era when they were trying to promote the new generation and the, the, the new talent coming through to stick it to WCW. You know, they had the likes of Shawn Michaels and the Razor Ramones and the Undertakers and Bret Hart to, to a large degree was considered part of the new generation. But Owen Hart never quite reached that ceiling that the other characters did. And like I say, this was a, a, an amazing feud, a year long feud, a fantastic match at WrestleMania. They should have pulled the trigger on Owen at SummerSlam and they didn't. And I think that Owen's career was never the same, will never reach the same heights again um, after this twenty, uh, this uh, 1994 encounter. I think this, unfortunately, was the peak of Owen's career in WWE, and that's sad to say because of how loyal he was. Even with everything that was done to his brother at the Montreal Screwjob, he still stayed the course. Yeah, He still stayed loyal to Vince McMahon, to the company, did everything in reason. And, uh, you know, for a long time when Owen Hart passed away, uh, I blamed Vince Russo. I completely and utterly blamed Vince Russo until uh, I started doing the podcast. And we actually did a shoot job on Vince Russo. And there was an interview where he was called by Bruce Prichard. And, hey, you know, uh, we got these guys. They do the repelling and shit for Sting and WCW. Yeah. They want to come down. They want to do it. What do you think? Can we work it in? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Blue Blazer can do it as he's coming down. They did do a test run that day. Everything went right. And then, unfortunately, they did the test run without the cape. The cape comes into play. Owen crashes to his death. Yeah. And you have everybody, including myself at the time, so angry and bitter at Vince Russo. But then I hear that audio clip. And I, listen, everybody knows Vince Russo talks a lot of shit. Yeah. Just like everybody knows Jim Cornette talks a lot of shit. The only good thing about Jim Cornette and Vince Russo is that we know what their breaths smell like. It smells like shit. But this time... They got it right. 
This time, you can't blame Russo. You can't even blame Vince McMahon. What you can blame is an ill-timed costume decision on a cape. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that one of the greatest mm-hmm. wrestlers of all time career was cut so short when he probably had another 10 or 12 years in him. Yeah. And it yeah. just, it's unfortunate. It sucks. It's not right. It's not fair. But I look at matches like this and they stand the test of time. Vince McMahon's an idiot. He never utilized the talent he had properly. And we've seen it where talent has left his, left him and flourished. Perfect example Every member of three-man band other than Heath Slater. Yeah. Jinder Mahal leaves, comes back stronger, leaner, definitely on steroids. I don't give a shit what he says. <laughs> wins the title. Yeah. Drew McIntyre goes away, comes back. Now he's a champion. It just sucks that he's carrying the company in a time where revenue is all over the place. Yeah. But what I will say about Vince McMahon is this. As much as I loathe everything about him now and the storylines that he's done and built and portrayed, this is the man that gave us a sport that we all love. Yeah. This is a man that did everything for all of us. So now we could bitch about him later. And as wrestling fans, that's just our God given right is to bitch and complain. But I can, I will say this hundred percent. Do I uh, agree with all the decisions Vince McMahon makes? Hell no. Do I respect Vince McMahon now? Hell no. Do I respect the product and the business that he created? 100%. And when Vince McMahon goes, whenever that time period may be, I will salute him. But when it comes to Owen Hart, I will always 150% say he was never utilized properly and Vince McMahon got it completely wrong. Mm-hmm. George, let me ask you, when, when people talk about classic or uh, all-time great wrestling feuds, people go to Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. People go to Austin versus The Rock or Austin McMahon or Flair versus Steamboat and so on and so forth. Not many people automatically go to this feud, Bret versus Owen. Now, we, we've just kind of uh, spoken at length about the build um, from, from Survivor Series 93, Royal Rumble, all the way through to WrestleMania the steel cage match at uh, SummerSlam and uh, the feud continued through the latter part of 94 into the early part of 95, but not many people kind of automatically think Brett versus Owen as, as a classic all time feud. Now, you know, uh, fans of Brett and Owen, like like uh, the two of us, would would go to a feud like this. But it's not on everybody's kind of lips as an automatic feud that people would go to when they're talking about classic rivalries. Why do you think that is? Because unfortunately, I think they're uneducated. They're fans that grew up in the in, in the wrong time period. A lot of fans who recognize Austin and McMahon or the Rock and Rock and Austin, like you mentioned, those were Attitude Era kids. Mm. You and I were teenagers in the Attitude Era. So yeah. as much as we appreciate the Attitude Era, we remember all the great things about the Attitude Era. But do we remember all the bad things? I do. I remember the mics <laughs> cutting out. I remember how, how loud <laughs> and dirty those arenas were. I remember not a good promo coming out at all. I remember Chris Jericho wearing a poof looking like a Shih Tzu. I remember all the bad that was in the Attitude Era, as much as I remember the good. But there was so much in the bad. Just yeah. like there was so much bad in the Ruthless Aggression Era, but there was so much good. Yeah. So you got to take the good with the bad. But for me, this is a feud that stands the test of time. Any of those fans that recognize the other feuds, I challenge you all to this. Watch the feud that John and I just outlined. Yeah. Go page for page, match for match. Uh, the storyline from beginning to end. Go all the way from Survivor Series 93 all the way to Survivor Series 94. See it, live it, understand it. Then come back 
and watch it against your favorite feud. See which one resonates and holds more true with you. I think brother versus brother stands the test of time over ego versus ego. All those other feuds you, you highlighted were ego versus ego, not brother versus brother. And I think that's why this feud for me resonates stronger than any of the other ones. Yeah, and like you said earlier, you had the the family interaction as well, whether it be the the other brother, uh, the Hart brothers, or uh, uh, you know um, Stu and Helen Hart, and uh, how they were involved in, in. Especially when you think about um, Survivor Series '94, and I think Brett was taking on uh, Mr. Bob Backlund for the WWF Championship, and Owen was on the outside, and he was begging his mother to throw in the towel. Do you remember that one? I mean, that's another classic kind of interaction um, in the Brett and Owen feud. And really get the mother involved. You mentioned about Helen, you know, really kind of selling uh, the, the, the inner turmoil that she must have been feeling with her two sons feuding. And at that much, once again, you know, told a fantastic story, both on the inside of the ring and the outside of the ring. And exactly portrayed what you were telling us earlier about how, you know, Stu and Helen and the rest of the Hart family were like, uh, quite an important factor in this whole storyline, really. The fact that the whole family was pulled in, it gave everybody a chance to get a little bit of camera time, make a little bit of money, didn't hurt anybody. But the fact is, is that's what I think resonates because the whole family was pulled in. It wasn't a feud of just Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. This was a feud amongst the Hart family. This was WrestleTing royalty. This was the Hart family. Okay, the Hart family. And I, I say that twice because this was not a feud of just brother versus brother. This was an internal struggle for who was going to take over the family when Stu Hart and Helen Hart passed away. Yeah, that's the underlying message to the story. And this is also a little brother trying to find a way to get out from his older brother's shadow. I mean, what sibling hasn't? Me and my older sister, we used to go back and forth with stuff all the time. She was a dancer. I used to act when I was a kid. So I was always begging for a parent's attention of who did better, me in the school play or her at her dance recital. It was yeah. always those kind of competitions. But this was a competition that got taken to the extreme because they were trained by hand down, hands down, one of the greatest grapplers of all time. Yeah. And again, I challenge anybody to challenge me with it because it, it's proven. Every wrestler that survived the dungeon has gone on to win a world title. If yeah. you were trained by Stu Hart, it was a pedigree for a championship. Indeed. Plain and simple. Indeed. Uh, George, uh, we've just spoke for the last uh, hour and a half about uh, one of the greatest WrestleMania matches, one of the greatest matches of all time, your favourite match of all time, um, and uh, one of the one of the kind of uh, unsung rivalries that many people don't kind of compare to, like say the likes of the Rock and the Austins and the the Flares and the Steamboat feuds. But this one here, I think we've just demonstrated and we've spoken very, very passionately about why there should be a few to go back and revisit from when it started back in late 93 through to the WrestleMania match and then on to uh, that that great SummerSlam match in the cage. But um, it's been a fantastic honour and, and a privilege and a pleasure to speak to you for the last 90 minutes uh, talking about a, a fantastic rivalry. And of course, we, we watched together uh, from opposite sides of the Atlantic, uh, WrestleMania 10, Brett versus Owen. So, uh, George McKay, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, my friend. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me. I, I, it's an honor to talk with you. It's an honor to be on your show. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode.
Indeed. But before we let you go, uh, an opportunity, George, for you to throw out any social media channels or uh, any handles, your, your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Where can my listeners go out and find you, say hi to you, uh, find out more about you and find out more about Straight Talk Wrestling? Uh, on Twitter, I am underscore at Straight Talk. Um, on Twitter or on Instagram and Facebook, it's just Straight Talk Wrestling. At Instagram, it's all one word. At Facebook, you can search up the page. Uh, you can message me across all three platforms. I do get back on a regular basis to anybody that has questions, even episode ideas. And YouTube, you can find me on YouTube, Straight Talk Wrestling. Uh, you can also search my uh, public profile, George McKay, on Facebook. Super. I got about 3,000 friends now, but uh, once I hit 5,000, you can still follow me, I guess. So there we go. Uh, come check out all the content. And uh, it's been an absolute honor to talk with you. I've enjoyed your podcast for a while as well. And you and I are kind of racing. You're at episode 127. Yeah. I'm sitting at episode 133. <laughs> so we're kind of riding each other's coattails. It's been pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Indeed, indeed. But um, I, I've actually learned a lot from from you and uh, our interactions through Messenger. And certainly what, what, one advice that you gave me kind of when we first started talking was was you've got to be persistent. And and if a wrestler doesn't get back to you on on, on one uh, one uh, media outlet, Twitter, for example, then, then chase them on Instagram. Or, you know, you've really got to kind of be persistent and and, uh, you know, to let them know that you, you really want to speak to that individual. So well, I, I've taken that on board and I've uh, adopted that method. So thank you, George. I appreciate that, John. Thank you very much. There we go. Well, uh, uh, George, all of the social media handles that you just mentioned, will will make sure that they're added to the description of this podcast. So for any of my listeners that want to kind of reach out to George, uh, find out more about George and Straight Talk Wrestling, just click into the description of the podcast and all of the links will be there. So thank you very much, George. Hopefully sometime in the future, we can have you back on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, maybe to discuss another one of your favorite matches. So that'd be pretty cool to do that sometime in the future. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast and best of luck to to you and uh, to your family and uh, with all of your fantastic content creation with your podcast uh, for the future my friend but um, uh, but thank you very much for everybody uh, that's listened to this first of a watch along that we've done on the wrestling with Jonas podcast it was a, a real blast to speak to George uh, and especially to cover Brett versus Owen from Wrestlemania 10 so uh, please keep it tuned to the wrestling with Jonas podcast and if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast please don't forget to spread the word tell your friends and tell your family don't forget to subscribe to the wrestling with Jonas podcast on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us on or maybe youtube so that you don't miss out on a single episode uh, thanks again to george thanks to everybody for listening and we'll catch up with you all again soon